and welcome to another edition of the CIA Seacast. Thanks for joining us. I am Joel Cookson. Man, the fall sports season is rapidly approaching, and we have got a uh, another podcast for you to help get you ready for the fall sports season. But really, this is a little bit of a different episode. Just one guest this week on the CIAC cast. We are going to chat with uh, a little person in-house here, Greg Simon, who is the Associate Executive Director for CIAC, sort of sits uh, at the top of the CIAC pyramid, or sort of at least adjacent to the top of the pyramid. And uh, you may recall we had Greg on last year, uh, shortly after he was named uh, the Associate Executive Director. So he's just completed one full year in that position. We thought that would be a good opportunity to bring him on, do a little bit of a deep dive on CIAC issues, things that uh, we sort of see in the public uh, that maybe there are some misperceptions about or feel like this is an opportunity to explain some of the things that uh, that CIAC does. And he's been here for uh, one year and, uh, and felt like you'd give him a a good platform to kind of talk about some of those things, some of the things he's seen, experienced in that first year. So that's what we're going to do. So sort of a CIAC-heavy edition of the podcast, and uh, hopefully for those of you who are uh, who are coming along for the ride, you won't, uh, won't object for that. You have, in fact, chosen to listen to a podcast called the CIAC Cast, so hopefully you won't mind a little CIAC content. So that's what we're going with this week. Uh, should be hopefully sticking to our every other week schedule, and uh, I think we'll be looking at some fall previews uh, coming up in the next uh, few editions of the CIAC cast because uh, practices uh, in the sport of football are underway, conditioning practices, and uh, I'm recording this on a Thursday, Thursday the 16th, um, and the, uh, the practices for all fall sports will begin in one week. So we are getting right to it. So uh, it's a, an exciting time of year. Hopefully it's exciting for all of you out there, all you fans of Connecticut High School Sports. And uh, be sure to follow along with the CIAC cast all the way through, uh, which should be another great year of high school sports in Connecticut. Speaking of uh, following along, if you're listening to us today, please uh, subscribe. You can uh, subscribe to the CIAC cast on iTunes, uh, the Google Play, uh, Stitcher, I believe we are there as well. So lots of good places to check out the, the podcast. If you do uh, subscribe on uh, on Apple Apple uh, Podcast, please uh, rate us and leave us a review. We'd love that. Uh, good way to know that we're uh, we're doing our jobs here at CIAC headquarters when it comes to our podcasting content. You can always uh, follow the CIAC on Twitter. We're on all of these social media platforms. Uh, well, maybe not all of them. All the ones that I know how to use. Uh, Twitter uh, at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports, and Instagram at CIAC Sports. Going to try to uh, ramp up our Instagram usage this year. That's on the uh, the goal list for me during the 2018-19 high school sports season. Try to provide a little more content there on Instagram. So please check all that out. Again, rate and uh, review us, subscribe. Never miss an episode of the CIAC cast. We're going to hopefully uh, continue to have lots of good conversations here about the world of high school sports. Try to, as I said, and what we're doing uh, this episode, try to illuminate some of the things that maybe go on here at the CIAC headquarters that people uh, don't understand or are confused about or maybe think we're not doing right. So that's uh, one of the things we want to try to accomplish for you as well. Once again, thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Cookson, and we're uh, excited to have you along for episode 95 of the CIC cast. We are moving in 
on that 100 uh, 100 episode uh, milestone. Uh, although I, you know, I'm one of these people. I don't. Uh, I've never totally understood the obsession with a round number like that. So maybe we'll do a special episode for episode 99 just to. Uh, to make things up a little bit. But either way, uh, you can also email the CIAC cast, and that address is CIAC cast. So C I A C C A S T at C A S C I A C dot O R G. Shoot us an email. Let us know if there's topics or conversations that you'd like us to, uh, to consider for episode, uh, well, any episode of the CIAC cast. We'd be happy to, uh, we've, we've done that in the past. I've heard, uh, one that I remember specifically had someone, uh, get in touch and say that we didn't uh, cover gymnastics enough. So we got on the phone with a uh, gymnastics coach and talked a little bit about that uh, during championship season. So we do uh, we do try to uh, take these things into account when, when folks take the time to get in touch with us. So please, uh, please do so. Always happy to hear uh, from people. So without uh, much further ado, we're going to get to our conversation with Greg Simon. But first, of course, we need to update you on things you might have missed on CIAC Sports dot com the uh your home for ciac information uh fall schedules and all that good stuff are all there so uh be sure to check out ciacsports.com uh they've all been posted we added some things to the football page this week including uh the the week by week schedule which is kind of a feature that we've uh, uh as well as composite schedules for all of the football games uh, so you can find that uh, we just added a post there. You can add your school's uh, or team's athletic schedule to your computer or mobile device. You can uh, get that on your Google Calendar, whatever kind of calendar uh, function or app that you're using on your phone or on your computer. There's a post there explaining how that uh, can happen for you. Uh, as always, we've got editions of Linked Up, uh, a couple of those since our last uh, CIC cast. There should be another one tomorrow on Friday, so keep tabs on all the great feature stories that are being written about Connecticut high school sports uh, from around the state, all the great media that we have covering uh, high school sports in the world of uh, Connecticut. I uh, had a little video there. I had 22 of our Connecticut high school uh, student leaders attend the New England Student Leadership Conference in Massachusetts earlier this summer. Did a little video highlighting some of the uh, what that experience was like for those 22 kids. Uh, wonderful group of kids and, and got a wonderful experience. We're hoping that will uh, encourage even more folks to uh, get involved in that. We've uh, done it the past uh, past few summers. It's a wonderful experience, and, and we'd love to see uh, send a bigger group, a bigger contingent of Connecticut athletes, or excuse me, just student leaders. They don't have to be athletes, but uh, certainly student-athlete leaders uh, are encouraged to be a part of that as well. So we hope you will uh, take a look at that and uh, mark it on your calendar. Usually send out registration information uh, late in the school year, so you'll have to uh, – Maybe write yourself a note uh, to, to keep an eye out for that, but we'll hope that that will encourage folks to, uh, to be involved uh, going forward there. So lots of good stuff to, uh, to find on CICsports.com. Hoping to get a couple more feature stories up uh, before the school year starts, or maybe we'll lead right into the school year. We'll see. Either way, uh, always check out CICsports.com. And, of course, the sub-site uh, Tournament Central, that's where you can find all kinds of scheduling. And once we start getting results in, uh, they will all be there as well. Championship information, tournament information, all kinds of good stuff there uh, as well on CICsports.com. So lots of good things for you to check out. Again, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are we are easy to find and uh, and hopefully easy to get information about and from uh, as we move into the high school sports season. As I said, uh, football teams of uh, those who had chose to not have practice in the spring have gotten their season started. Others will be starting soon, and we are one week away from everybody getting on board and starting off their fall practice season. So lots of good things and excitement coming. Hope you'll follow all of it on CICsports.com 
and our various uh, social media platforms. So let's move into our conversation with Greg Simon. Of course, though, before we do that, got to give pass along the reminder from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation who remind us to not text and drive. Keep the phone parked away. No distracted driving, people. Uh, they tell us that uh, sending or receiving a text takes a driver's eyes from the road for an average of 4.6 seconds. If you're driving at 55 miles per hour, that is the equivalent of traveling the length of an entire football field blind. So please do not text and drive or drive distracted and encourage your friends and family to park the phone when they are behind the wheel. One text or call could wreck it all. You know, that's an, uh, an important uh, important note there at the end. We often think about uh, hopefully this message is going through to the drivers, but sometimes it's the passengers. If, uh, if you're in a car with a friend and they've got their phone out uh, and they're driving, say, hey, uh, you're putting yourself at risk here. You're putting me at risk. Uh, I don't care. Maybe you don't think it's a, good, a bad idea, but I do. So uh, maybe your friends will will listen to you and uh, exert a little good peer pressure there and encourage uh, some safe driving, even to your parents if you're uh, in the car and your parents are behaving irresponsibly. So hope folks take that message to heart and uh, and keep the phone parked away when you are behind the wheel. All that said, let's get into our conversation. Again, going to be kind of a CIAC-centric deep dive this week on the CIAC cast. Let's get to our chat with CIAC Associate Executive Director Greg Simon. It was just over, a little over a year ago that we first sat down with uh, Greg Simon for the CIAC cast. He had recently been hired as the uh, Associate Executive Director here for CIAC, and uh, it's been a little over a year, and we wanted to bring him back to talk a little bit about his experience and, and then do kind of a a deep dive for people here on some CIAC issues, things that uh, that are uh, foremost in his mind and maybe in the public's mind. So, Greg, uh, welcome back to uh, your uh, your venture into the podcast world here. Thank you very much, Joel. I appreciate you having the time for me. So let's start off with, uh, as I said, it's been about a year, and uh, you know, you came to this job uh, having spent uh, your whole career at at schools. Uh, so what have you learned uh, in year one as uh, as the associate executive for the CIAC? What what have you uh, what, what have you discovered in this position? I tell you the truth, I really feel like I've learned a, a lot about CIAC stuff that I did not know. Being an athletic director for almost twenty years, being around high school sports for almost thirty years. Here in Connecticut, it amazes me how little I knew about CIAC. You kind of know when you interact with it on the on the, the couple of times that you do that a week. You you know some things about it, but but honestly, you just don't know how the organization is run up here, just how well things are structured, and you really just complain about things when they go wrong, mm -hmm. and you forget about the ninety nine percent of the time when everything runs so well. Um, and I, I wish I had known a little bit more about that as an athletic director and as a coach. Uh, you talked about uh, your, your previous role. I'm curious, um, and I think when we spoke last year, you sort of had, a, had an idea about maybe how your time as an AD and as a coach would kind of serve you in this role. But I'm curious, having been through it now for a year, how do you feel like your, your time either in those roles specifically or just at a school has, has served you, uh, you know, to better prepare you for this job? I think overall, when you understand that CIAC um, believes so strongly in education-based athletics, and I did as an athletic director as well, believe so strongly in that concept that it really served me very well up here, that I didn't come from an outside world where maybe the business world or something else where I really didn't understand education-based athletics. And because I do, I think it gave me a little bit of an advantage in trying to uh, learn what happens up here and, and try to improve upon it in small ways you know, that I can. Uh, I think being an athletic director, 
Anyone will tell you you have you know nine balls in the air at once. None of them can hit the ground, and you have to try to figure out how to get it all done. Right. And I would say the same in my job here. You start off your day with a plan as to what you're going to attack that day, and it oftentimes goes in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're interacting with building principals or interacting with athletic directors, coaches. Uh, it, you know, there are a lot of different things that pop up, and you have to be able to kind of handle those things and and try to help our member schools as much as possible. Um, you talk about that. I'm curious. You know what? Uh, you know what? What issues would you say come across your desk the most? You know, you've been been in this position, as I say, a little more than a year now. You've got at least a, a sense of what's been the 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 kind of things you're you're dealing with most often. I'm wondering if uh, what what sort of things maybe it's one or two things that uh, you know just topics that seem to be uh, for whatever reason right now uh, you know paramount uh, from your position with the CIAC. I think that it's uh, some of it's based on the time of year. Certainly this time of year, I'm getting questions pretty much every day on the transfer rule. You have lots of kids who have moved around during the summer. Our athletic directors and building principals are asking questions about the transfer and the transfer rule. How does it apply? Does it apply to the student athlete? Was there a legal change of address, living with parent or legal guardian? Uh, you know, They played a sport as a freshman and now they want to move to another school as a sophomore. Does the transfer rule apply? I got a tremendous amount of questions about the transfer rule pretty much every day from now until you know well into the school year. Uh, as kids continue to move around or perhaps they didn't play a fall sport as a transfer and now they're getting ready for a winter sport and ADs are finding out, oh, this kid came from this school or came from another school. You know, they kind of want to know, does the transfer rule apply and how does it apply? That certainly is a big part of it. Eligibility questions are also a, bit, a big piece of it. Talking about academic eligibility, uh, trying to find out if a kid, you know, uh, based upon what grades, are they academically eligible? Um, all of those questions tend to be probably, you know, eligibility and transfer rules tend to be the, the biggest ones I get this time of year. So that's an interesting question and something we were talking about the other day and, and maybe worth uh, worth clarifying for people. So when you talk about this, you're answering questions from schools, but in, in most cases, well, really all cases, it's not the CIAC that's determining that. You're trying to help the schools determine whether or not they want to say that this student athlete or uh, should be eligible. Is that essentially how that works uh, from the process from your end? That's a great point, uh, Joel, and one that I didn't really understand until I got up here. Again, our schools are required to submit eligibility lists to CIAC. They look, apply our rules to their their student athletes, and then determine who should be placed on that eligibility list and who shouldn't be placed on that eligibility list. You know, we don't tell them who to put on the list or not put on the list. So lots of times, in order for them to do that accurately, they'll contact us and ask us questions about specific athletes and how does it apply. But ultimately, you know, it's on the school to be able to place those student athletes or decide whether or not they are eligible based upon our rules. Again, this is a member school organization. Our, our member schools pay dues to belong to the CIAC. They sign a membership agreement. The principal is the signator, and they decide at that point they are going to follow our rules, and they need to have a, a pretty good understanding of our rules, obviously, in order to follow them. Right. But when they don't really fully understand rules, that's when a lot of times we'll get involved and try to help our member schools to figure out uh, exactly what the rule is and how it applies in that situation right so in many cases the 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 things that then ultimately do come to the CIC for action is whether uh, a rule has been violated by an athlete that that was deemed eligible that maybe shouldn't have been deemed eligible or it could be a student athlete that is petitioning for an, ex- an exception to uh, to to 
what the school has ruled or, or what, how the rule is applied. Is that sort of a, a fair summation kind of, of of what comes to us? Absolutely. You know, we, we require our schools to self-report if they believe there's been a violation of a rule. And our schools, I think, do a great job in self-reporting. Normally at a board of control meeting where we look over the letters of self-report, you know, we're going to have four, five, six, seven letters at most meetings because schools are trying to follow our rules. They understand that sometimes they, they're not able to or don't because maybe they misunderstood something or were given wrong information. And now they want to report that there's been a problem and they're willing to deal with some of the consequences that go along with that. Mm-hmm. I don't I truly don't believe people out in the public or either other member schools who maybe have never written a, a letter of self-report understand that we have we're constantly receiving schools who are, are basically um, letting us know that there's been a rules violation and uh, these are the reasons why. Right. And we take a look at that and try to adjudicate it in the best way possible. So let's, uh, we'll back, we're going to do a couple, try to do a couple different things here as we as we talk to Greg. Some of that is maybe explain or talk about some issues and some rules that, that we feel just sort of in our our general sense that maybe the public or even our member schools aren't aren't super familiar with, but you you mentioned uh, you know the public and sort of I'm curious now having been in this job for one year and this is kind of a two part question, but you know what is something that you sort of feel that you wish the public in, in terms of whether it's fans or parents or or you know or student athletes themselves maybe better understood about what it is the CIAC does? Well, certainly I would say first and foremost, you know we've been around to all the league meetings. Uh, last year, went and visited, um, I think, 11 of the 12 different leagues. And my message to them was clear. Again, um, you know, this is a committee-driven organization. Again, not something that I understood. You know, we have committees that are established up here to deal with and handle each sport. Those committees are made up of administrators, coaches, um, representation from the Athletic Directors Association, representation from the Connecticut High School Coaches Association. Mm-hmm. And these are the people that make the decisions about how sports and sports rules are, are made. The CIAC, I sit at the meeting. I take notes on the meeting. I publish the minutes of the meeting. If the people at the, at the committee have questions about CIAC rules, I try to explain those rules to them and how it applies to whatever topic they might be discussing. They make the decisions. So you see people perhaps, say, blasting the, uh, the, the new rule that was changed this year for how schools were put in divisions in football, mm-hmm. that the success formula was now applied, which is applied in other sports, it's now been applied to football. That came from the football committee. They took a look at it. They asked me to bring back to them all the different models that are being used, which I did. Mm-hmm. They discussed it. They decided that they wanted to have a one-year trial to apply the rule. They made modifications in it. They changed the rule to apply to their sport. It, the, the rule they're using, their success model, is not the same as basketball or soccer. Right. They modified it to what they thought was best for football. They voted on it, and they changed the rule. CIAC doesn't change those rules. Yeah. You know, we don't sit up here and, and change rules and make rules. Our committees make those rules. I would say the other piece is, you know, we, we hear a lot about our transfer rule. Mm-hmm. How does this kid play here, then go there? I would just say to people out in the public, you probably don't know the complete story of many of these student athletes who are transferring. Our transfer rule in Connecticut is a, a very generous transfer rule. You know, the transfer rule in Connecticut requires a, a student athlete who's moving, um, who's, who's gone from one school to another without a legal change of address, living with parent or guardian, to sit out 365 days. 
which is done in other states. Right. But we allow, through exception 19, that if both schools agree that it was not done for athletic reasons, then that, that uh, sit-out period, <laughs> they sit out for uh, half a season. Right. So maybe five games in football. It's very reasonable. You know, we, we allow our student-athletes who are freshmen to have their freshman year to explore a school. If they really don't like it, they can transfer without any penalty and go to another school at the start of their sophomore year without sitting out. So we really try to be user-friendly on that, but there has to be a way to regulate uh, uh, student-athletes moving from school to school. Right. And so just to – we'll continue because this was one of the things I think that, uh, the, you know, the phrase that in this office transfer rule gets thrown around a lot, but I think probably, you know, you, the schools hopefully understand it to some degree, but maybe the public doesn't. So these are just talking about kids who have switched schools not because they've physically moved or their parents have moved. Those are the only people that the transfer rule applies to. That is correct. And it doesn't apply to a, a freshman who's transferring after his or her freshman year. That's kind of a free year for them. It also doesn't apply if you didn't play a sport at the school. I get that question all the time, you know, but if you didn't play a sport at a school, then of course the transfer rule doesn't apply to you. Right. You can play that sport at your new school without penalty. Right. So does that, and maybe the phrase, and the other interesting, I guess, or phrase that's left to interpretation maybe a little bit there is for athletic reasons. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? And, and maybe what a school, having been at a school, is looking at in terms of, you know, we, we think this kid did or did not transfer for athletic reasons. I think that would be up to the individual school, perhaps through its coaches and, and, and other people who might be aware mm -hmm. of communication that might have taken place between member schools, a coach at one school, and a student athlete who's at another school. Sometimes that happens in the form of text messages, sometimes in an email, sometimes in telling us a little bit about a conversation that might have taken place. So we want to make sure that you know student athletes are are transferring for academic reasons that they're leaving schools to go to another school for the best academic experience and of course you know the extracurricular experience is a part of that but shouldn't be the main reason why student athlete transfers. Right, but similar to the, the you know the, what we were discussing with eligibility, it's ultimately the schools involved that are making that determination. It's not the CIAC uh, determining whether or not a, a transfer was made for those athletic reasons. That is correct. And if a, if a member school feels very strongly and has proof that a student perhaps was contacted or that a transfer was taking place for athletic reasons, they have the power on our transfer notification form to simply deny the transfer and to say that they're not going to sign off on the transfer because they believe it was done for athletic reasons. And then we give them 30 days to produce evidence that says or shows us that there might have been some tampering involved here as to why a student athlete moved. If it rate rises itself to that, we may hire a private investigator to look at the situation and to render some decision as to whether or not there was some undue influence made upon a student athlete. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, again, we're talking, trying to cover some of the things that uh, we feel like get talked about. And you hear, you know, certainly if you uh, you wade into comment sections or anything like that on, on sites or even, you know, you'll see it written about is, is this recruiting in high school athletics? And I guess the question is, you know, what sort of role does this the CIAC play in trying to regulate that? What is, you know, uh, where do you sort of feel like the, the ball is in terms of recruiting uh, in high school sports in, in Connecticut? And, and what sort of role the CIAC plays in trying to, to restrict it or to regulate it? I think we, we have very clear language in our handbook that our member schools are supposed to follow. Uh, all of them sign a document at the beginning of each season which states they will not recruit student athletes. We make it very clear to them. But 
as in all situations, we rely on our member schools to let us know if a violation has taken place. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, a, again, a, a myth that I think a lot of people have about CIEC that we're, we're not some huge bureaucracy up in Hartford with this huge investigative division and all these, you know, we're a very small nonprofit in Cheshire, Connecticut here. And really on the CIAC side, there are three people that work on the CIAC side. So we don't have the power to go out and investigate every recruitment violation that somebody thinks might have taken place. The one thing I will tell you from a lot of experiences, when you dig into a lot of situations, you find out, you know, the rumors were the rumors. Right. There really was no substance to it. It didn't really take place the way that people perhaps think it does mm -hmm. when it looks bad from the outside. And if it does, a member school will oftentimes contact us, and that's when the, the recruitment investigation or us looking into it uh, will take place. Um, you talked a little bit, and I'm curious. You, you talked sort of about uh, what's coming across your desk right now. As as you went out to those leagues, and, and you've talked about, I know that's been something you've really focused on is trying to get out and, and meet with our schools, and at least at the league level. What are the you know the topics that are are most coming across that that, that our schools are con either concerned about or interested in, or, or just uh, you know sort of on their minds as you've gone out? I know you sort of haven't uh, ramped up for the coming year. You'll be doing that, but as you went through year one and maybe looking ahead, what are some things uh, that you're sort of expecting uh, to hear about from our schools? Sometimes they're very sports-specific topics. Last year, uh, we had a number of our, our leagues that felt very strongly that a uh, rule in our soccer needed to be changed. Mm -hmm. It had to do with the amount of cards that could be given to a school before that school goes on probation. And they felt very strongly that, that, that uh, schools that qualified for our, their league tournament and the state tournament shouldn't be held to the same threshold as schools that, should, that didn't qualify for the tournaments. Mm -hmm. So the soccer committee took a good hard look at it, did a lot of uh, evaluation, and decided that they would change the rule based upon what we had heard from some of our league's requests to, to add a card to those schools that made their league tournament and another card to those schools that made the CIAC tournament. So again, when leagues bring um, different requests to committees here at CIAC, they're, they're looked at, and unfortunately, sometimes they're voted down. Right. And I think that's what people sometimes get angry at and say, well, CIAC doesn't listen, but sometimes the answer is no. The committee doesn't want to change the rules. Sure. It doesn't feel that's what's best for the student athletes that play that sport. Mm -hmm. But in this particular case, the soccer committee felt, yeah, this is something that we can definitely do. And if, if, if our member schools feel very strongly about that, we should be listening to our member schools. Just a, and There were several examples of that last year that really came out of league meetings. Um, but, but obviously the bigger ticket items will always be the out-of-season rule. There are many leagues around the state of Connecticut which would very much like CIC to look at our out-of-season rules, which are very strict, mm -hmm. and to, to lighten them and allow more contact between coaches and their student-athletes out of season. Now, one thing you will learn, though, is when you go around for as many larger schools and larger conferences, many of the conferences that have mainly small schools – which love their three-sport athletes, and, and they won't have athletic programs without their three-sport athletes, yeah. they beg us you know, never to take a look at the out-of-season rule. They right. like it just the way it is. It allows that their, their kids to be three-sport athletes and not kind of get pushed into focusing on one sport or perhaps working with one coach out-of-season rather than all the different coaches. Yeah. With that said, if a league 
or a member school wished for us to look at the out-of-season rule, and they came to us with a proposal with some rationale, then it's up. It's, we have to do our due diligence here. If member schools want us to take a look at something like the out-of-season rule, all they need to do is put together a proposal and some rationale for why they think the rule should be changed and perhaps what specifics they're looking for to be changed. Then we would take a good hard look at that and see what our member uh, and our membership might want to do about that. Right. So let's talk a little bit, just because it's uh, you know certainly I think a good a good you know perspective to to or a good example maybe to to look at. You talk, and this is obviously is theoretical. Uh, we just because we know it's something that uh, you put forward. But what would that process look like to talk about? You know what a process for you know either a significant rule change or maybe uh, a smaller rule change might look like. Uh, you know, not maybe a sports-specific rule, but a, a sort of CIAC-wide kind of rule. What would that process uh, look like in terms of how that would go forward? So you're looking for something that's not a committee rule, but more of looking for something that's right. a, a larger rule, like yeah. the out-of-season rule. Sure. Well, you might want to, you know, you might put that on the season limitations committee, or you might take that proposal and bring that to the board of control and ask the board of control. Do they want to pursue it? Mm -hmm. You know, is this something, again, the Board of Control is made up of all administrators that represent all different size schools, all different people that meet here uh, once a month that are the governing body of CIAC, and ask them if they believe that there's merit to what's being said, and should we pursue that? Mm -hmm. You know, we've had several um, leagues and schools send letters through their principals to the Board of Control asking the Board of Control to please look at a specific issue. Right. If the Board of Control wants to entertain that, they probably send that back to a committee or form a subcommittee of the Board of Control to take a look at that issue. So in other times, the Board of Control simply says, we're satisfied with the, the way the rule is written, and we really have no interest in taking a look at um, making changes to that rule. Right. Uh, and then so just moving, taking it the next step. So say the board says, you know, okay, let's let's at least see what a, a change might look like. Where does it go from there? How would the process move forward from there? It would be up to the board of control. I mean, a quick example would be one of our member school leagues begged us last year to take a look at our position statement that we had on school start time, mm -hmm. where CIAC wrote a position about 10 or 12 years ago when many schools were beginning to change their start times and asking them to, 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 to write a position statement, which they did all that long ago. Mm -hmm. but things have changed. Lots of things have changed. And one of our leagues asked us to please take a look at the wording mm -hmm. because many people were using it as a weapon to say all schools should change uh, to a later start time. Mm -hmm. So the instruction from them could have been form a committee you know, take a look at the position statement, come back to us with a recommendation. Right. The recommendation they gave us was give us some alternate language. Taking into consideration what the league uh, spoke to you about, present to us some alternate language for what might be more up-to-date as far as the position statement goes uh, in regarding school start time. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. They could have chosen, you know what, leave it the way it is. You know what, let's get rid of it all together. Pull it out of the handbook. We don't need it at this point. Or the charge they gave us was to rewrite the language and bring it back to them, right. which is what we did. And they read the language. They felt that it, it, it met with a lot of the criteria that was brought up during the discussion of that particular rule. And uh, that was adopted. And the CAS Board of Control at their end of the year meeting adopted that language. And it's now in our handbook. Right. So that would be a pretty significant change. Yeah. Um, just talking a little bit, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, and, and I don't want to put uh, words in your mouth, but I, I think this is something that I've, from my perspective, has, has maybe something that people don't understand. When you're talking about some of these bigger issues, um, you know, that maybe 
people don't realize the the process that is involved in this. You know that even if something was to get changed, you know that was very sports specific or or whatever it might be, that it gets vetted out to other organizations, and that also you know there's also sort of limited time in the day. You know, you talked about coming in in the morning with a plan and then, you know, suddenly uh, everything you're working on all day might not have been what you thought you were going to be working on because you're responding to the questions and, and the specific concerns that maybe the schools have on a given day. Is that sort of a fair that maybe even trying sometimes to tackle some of those bigger things have to get pushed to the side a little bit because you're dealing with whatever is going on that day? But then also, you know, the, the process is, you know, we want to, vet any significant proposal yeah. through coaches association through the athletic directors mm -hmm. through the principals you know to make sure that we are in fact representing the the wishes of our member schools in in whatever proposals might get put forward sure i think it is definitely a juggling act in anybody's job to try to take those things you know as an ad i always call the triage you know i took those things that were needed my attention immediately and pushed them to the front and those things that were a little larger, long-term things that I could work on during the weekend mm -hmm. or at nights when I was at home, you know, push them to the back a little bit. And I would say the same is true here. We try to look. There is a clear-cut process to vet any change that, that should take place here. I'll give you one quick example. Again, uh, it came from the golf committee. The Connecticut High School Coaches Association has its own committees. Mm -hmm. And a member of their committee who also serves as their representative on our golf committee came to us and wanted to present a proposal for a change in a rule, a rule that allowed individual golfers to only to um, extend the number of matches they're allowed to play outside the high school golf season from four to eight. Right. Their rationale was that many of the best golfers in Connecticut don't play high school golf because many of them choose to go on these, um, play these tournaments on the weekends, and they couldn't do that because our rules restricted them to only four. Mm -hmm. So the golf committee discussed and vetted it and agreed that it should move forward. When it moved forward, it moved forward to the Connecticut High School Coach Association Golf Committee, and it moved forward to the CAD Executive Board. Right. Both of them took a good, hard look at it. They said, this is something that we, we think is a good idea. CAD wanted to vet it out to all the athletic directors in the state. They sent it out to the athletic directors. It came back very positive. The proposal was tweaked and was brought then to the, to the uh, CIAC Board of Control. The Board of Control listened to all the reasons for it and approved the change. Right. That's a very significant change. It's not a small change yeah. to all of a sudden allow one group of kids. That didn't apply to gymnastics. It didn't apply to, to other individual sports. It would only apply to, to golfers. And yet that idea didn't come from the CIAC staff. Like yeah. We thought it was a great idea to do this. That came from the Connecticut High School Coaches Association Golf Committee. They had an idea, and it went through a long vetting process. And from September to March, we were able to get that done, approved, and used during this current golf season. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, again, trying to hit on some of the, the, the popular issues of, uh, of the day. You talked a little bit about this with, uh, with football, but just an understanding of you know, how the different – you know, we get a lot of uh, attention to how the sort of divisions are established in our various sports. So can you talk a little bit about that uh, using that uh, the, the question framework you're never supposed to use, which is just talk about. But uh, I'll let you get away with it here. Talk about uh, how the divisions are established in various sports and why that's different in certain sports and, and you know, how those decisions are made. 
Sure. I mean, really, it's in the hands of the committee to decide how the divisions will be made. For the vast majority of sports here at CIAC, enrollment is the, the baseline that's used to determine uh, the divisions. Mm-hmm. So a committee takes a look and establishes first without ever looking at enrollment and, and, and from top to bottom, and it establishes the number of teams or schools, I should say, they would like in each division. You know, based on data, based on who makes the tournament and which division, oh, there's less class S schools. that may, And they use all that data and they create the numbers, whatever it might be, 46, 44, 43, 42. Right. Once that's established and voted, everyone agrees to it, then they go to the enrollment and apply all the different schools to it and put them in, into their divisions by enrollment. That's the most common way to do it. But because in some sports, some committees feel that schools of choice have an advantage over uh, non-schools of choice that are playing in the same exact tournament, mm-hmm. that something needs to be done to level the playing field a little bit. So the success in tournament formula was created, and it applies to, to several sports. Boys and girls soccer, it applies to girls basketball, and now it applies to football. Right. So basically it takes – the CIC establishes a school of choice as being – a school that brings in more than 25 gender-specific students from an outside school to bring into their school. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it gives them an advantage to have kids coming there for whatever it might be, an agri-science program, VOAG, or whether it's an open enrollment like a Catholic school or like a tech school, gives them that advantage. So then oftentimes the success in tournament multiplier uh, is, is, is put into play. So all of a sudden you have a school that's had great success in the CIAC tournament, perhaps reached the semifinals for three straight years, or whatever the, the qualifier is the committee has established. And at that point, they will move schools up divisions based on the fact they're a school of choice and they've had success in the tournament. Right. And that's what's been done consistently uh, with boys and girls soccer. And obviously, boys and girls basketball at one point used it. Mm-hmm. And now that we've gone to the um, success formula in boys basketball, it's kind of even taken to a greater level where more information is used to determine what division you're in in boys basketball. Right. So the only consistent thing with that, as you talk about the success in tournament, is the is what defines the school of choice. From there, the committees have the autonomy to say, you know, we want it to be they've reached the semifinals each of the last four years or Correct. they've reached whatever it might be, and then they can apply it uh, however they want. Correct. Yeah. Like in football, you when they were only using it for reaching the semifinals for two consecutive years. But in football, you can only move up one division right. from your base enrollment. Where in uh, girls and boys soccer, I believe it's three years. If you make the semifinals in three years, you move up two divisions. If you make it for two consecutive years, or two of the three years, I should say, you move up one division. Right. So there's tweaks in each one based on what the committee feels works best for that specific sport. Can you, and, and I, this is another sort of broad question, but I'll, I'll sort of just say, you know, the, the, the conversation around schools of choice and whether it's, you know, as you say, we, you know, our, our definition is a pretty static one or is a static one. It's 25, you know, gender specific students coming in, but sort of the challenges of, you know, trying to, you know, make our competitions fair and our rules apply as, as equally and as, you know, uh, equitably as we can uh, when, you know, there's a lot of difference between, as you say, how the students are brought in, why they're brought into different schools. Can you sort of, uh, I guess, maybe just articulate your feelings on that and, and, you know, how the CIAC sort of tries to tries to handle those uh, those challenges? You know, there are many schools that feel that 
uh, they're being unfairly targeted with that school of choice label because of a VOAG or agri-science program that perhaps only brings in 100 students, total boys and girls. How is that, oftentimes they'll argue, how does that compare with a school which brings in, has, is a school without borders, brings in their entire population, doesn't right. come from that specific town or from that specific city. And again, I guess the best way we always try to say is it really only takes one student athlete to change you know, the arc of how well a, a program might play. Mm -hmm. If a girls' soccer team brings in a tremendous goalie from another town, they have a distinct advantage over other schools that play the exact same tournament that they play in. Mm -hmm. If a softball team brought in a dynamic pitcher, how, would you, how do you justify that? I mean, they were able to bring in somebody from outside of their um, uh, school that would be normally enrolled there and were able to play sports for them. So whether it's 25 kids, 50 kids, 100 kids, it really doesn't matter because whatever number of student athletes might attend there, give those schools a distinct advantage over other schools in the same tournament that don't have the same ability to draw kids from outside their town or city. Right. So uh, I think we've covered a, a fair amount of ground here. I'll just let you kind of wrap up and, and sort of say from your perspective, what are some of the, the things on your agenda or, or maybe on your plate that you're looking for, or can, whether it's issues that you think the CIC uh, you know, should be addressing or, or is planning to, to attack, uh, or you know, obviously some of that will come from uh, your meetings with our, our membership, hopefully in the next uh, few weeks as we start uh, seeing the school year kick off. But uh, I'm just kind of curious kind of where you are or where some of the issues or concerns are that you think uh, the CIC is likely to, to try and cover or address in the uh, in this upcoming school year? I think certainly one of the major issues we have tried to address in the last few years, and I know it's it's kind of like, you know, when, when I first got to a school, the, the superintendent told me that the, the first thing that's cut out of any budget is uh, the maintenance. You know, you, you, you never know when, when you've let go of a custodian or let go of somebody in the maintenance department, and that's the people that go, and because they're kind of there in the background doing their job. But when the building starts looking really shabby, the first thing you want to do is say, you know, what, where's the custodian? Right. And I would say the same thing about high school officials. I think we are at a, a critical point, both uh, statewide and nationally, as far as recruiting officials, keeping officials. We have allowed a system to just, um, for, for lots of different reasons, become very deficient in making sure that we, we keep up the amount of officials that we need in attracting quality officials to want to be fishiate. Yeah. They are the constant, constantly being attacked you know, by parents and sometimes coaches and, and people that are just over the top. And many of the younger officials who go out there, you know, starry-eyed, hoping they can make a difference and give back to sports they played, become very discouraged and no longer want to play. And I, I, I find that very frightening. Yeah. I don't think people are going to understand it until it's gone. Right. You know, when you all of a sudden you're told, well, you know what, in your JV basketball game, we can't get officials. So we're simply not going to be able to play the game. And that time is not far away. Yeah. That time is coming rapidly in many sports where you're simply not going to have officials. So what we can do as CIEC to continue to encourage um, uh, people to, to choose to be officials as well as encourage our member schools to do everything in their power to make sure that an official's experience at their gym, on their field, wherever it might be, mm -hmm. is a positive one is really, really critical to us. 
And right along with that, obviously, is, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of talk in Connecticut about treatment of coaches Mm -hmm. and how coaches, people are choosing not to coach. And I would say that's a very scary topic for us as well. You know, it's another part of the whole puzzle that makes high school sports, you know, the most magical, you know, ride that our kids get to go on a lot of times when they're in high school. They have great coaches and great people that want to do it and do it for all the right reasons. And I think many of them are becoming extremely discouraged about coaching. Mm-hmm. And I saw this firsthand as an athletic director for many years who, you know, was able to get a teacher who just had arrived in the building, you know, to be the freshman coach for one of my teams. And at the end of the year, he or she would say, you know, I really, I'm not coming back next year. I just really didn't enjoy the experience. Yeah. And whatever we can do to try to make it a better experience for coaches, to allow coaches to coach, to allow them with guidance to to base what they're doing on education-based athletics, the more teachers we can get into coaching and and be the backbone of our coaching again, I think would make a a big difference. Very good. We look forward to uh, another year. It's been, uh, I don't know if we'll do a yearly check-in with Greg Simon. We don't want to uh, take up too much of his time as he's answering all those questions at his desk, but we we love having him on and hopefully this has been uh, informative for our listeners out there. So Greg, thanks and uh, best of luck with the uh, the coming year. Thank you very much, Joel, and thanks for all you do here at CIAC. Thanks so much to Greg, uh, carving out a little time for us, a busy week. He actually, uh, earlier today, uh, hosted the new athletic director's uh, CIAC Rules and Regulations Workshop, which is where we bring in folks new to that position and uh, kind of give them a crash course on some of the things that we uh, just talked about here on the podcast. So uh, busy day for Greg, but we appreciate him uh, coming in and, and chatting with us. And hopefully that was informational and, and helpful for folks out there who may or may not uh, have a great sense of some of the things that are happening with the CIAC. So once again, we thank you so much for listening. Check us out on Twitter at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports on Instagram at CIAC Sports the website CIAC Sports.com Tournament Sports.com and uh, you can email us CIACcast at C-A-S-C-I-A-C dot O-R-G Please uh, subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, we'd love it if you uh, subscribed and, uh, and got those episodes delivered right to you that way. That would be wonderful. Uh, never miss an episode of the CIC cast. As I said, we are going to be ramping up, uh, trying to make some uh, arrangements for some season preview podcasts coming uh, in the next few weeks. Going to try to stick to that every other week schedule here uh, starting in uh, in just a few weeks. So hopefully you will uh, continue to follow along, hoping to have a lot of good conversations about Connecticut high school sports. And we'd love if you would uh, continue to join us for those. So hopefully you'll be back with us again when we return for another edition of the CIAC cast. <laughs>